0: Hello, and welcome to Becoming Multiplanetary. I'm Rich LB, one of your co-hosts on Becoming Multiplanetary, and I'd like to take a moment to introduce my co-host, Kage. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: I suppose so. Hello, everyone. I am Kage, also one of the co-hosts of Becoming Multiplanetary, and today we have a uh, interesting two-parter episode, part of our Rovers mega-series, Uh, Today we'll be talking about the Spirit rover, and then in the next uh, part of this, we'll talk about the Opportunity rover. So, to begin, um, let's give a little bit of a backstory about the uh, Mars Exploration rover mission, which is uh, the mission that contained both the Spirit and Opportunity rovers. So, the Mars Exploration rover program was part of a larger series of missions called the Mars Exploration Program. Founded in 1993 by NASA after the loss of the Mars Observer Orbiter, the Mars Exploration Program sought to better organize the orbiters, landers, and rovers used to explore the possibilities of life on Mars and the ability for humans to inhabit the planet in the future. The first MEP, uh, rover program was the Mars Pathfinder mission with its Sojourner rover, which we'll talk about in the last part of this rover mega series. Uh, but today we'll be talking about the Mars Exploration rover mission and its twin rovers, Spirit and Opportunity. The rovers were named Spirit and Opportunity from a student essay contest won by a third grade Russian-American student from Arizona named Sophie Collis. In her essay, Sophie wrote, I used to live in an orphanage, it was dark and cold and lonely. At night, I looked up at the sparkly sky and felt better. I dreamed I could fly there. In America, I can make all my dreams come true. Thank you for the spirit and the opportunity, hence the rover's names. So to begin, why Mars? and this is a really interesting question and it's actually summed up very well on the mars exploration program website mars.nasa.gov where they state quote there are several strategic practical and scientific reasons for humans to explore mars among them we know that mars is the most accessible place in the solar system additionally exploring mars provides the opportunity to possibly answer origin and evolution of life questions and could lead someday to be a destination for survival of human uh, of mankind. Uh, humankind, sorry. So uh, just a quick um, introduction to the Mars Exploration Rover program. The Mars Exploration Rover mission, or MER, consisted of rovers M E-R-A, Spirit, and M E R B. Opportunity, which launched on June 10, 2003 and July 7, 2003, respectively, atop Boeing Delta II 7925 uh, 9.5 rockets, although Opportunity launched aboard the heavy version of the Delta II due to the extra Delta V needs uh, for the trans-Mars injection, since Mars at that point was getting further away from Earth in its orbit. And Spirit landed on January fourth, two 2004 at 4.35 a.m. UTC in the Gusev crater, whereas Opportunity landed on January twenty-fifth, two 2004 at 5.05 a.m. UTC in a small crater called Eagle in the Meridiani uh, Platinum uh, Flat Plains. Yeah. So, Rich, uh, why don't you tell us about the mission objectives for both Spirit and Opportunity?
0: Sure. No worries. So when these missions were put together and sent they obviously had objectives to complete whilst they were on mars now there were seven objectives in total and so we'll list through them so the first one was search for and characterize a variety of rocks and soils that hold clues to past water activity in particular samples sought will include those that have minerals deposited by water related processes such as Precipitation, evaporation, sedimentary cementation, or hydrothermal activity. So effectively, the first priority here is looking for evidence of water on Mars in a nutshell, through various means as listed here. The second objective was to determine the distribution and composition of minerals, rocks, and soils surrounding the landing sites. Now these rovers are in essence geologists you know that's what they're sent there to do they're sent there to to look at rocks and we can thing is when you say it you know just oh you just send something there to look at rocks it does sound a bit blasé but honestly you can learn so much from the geology of mars it tells us so many things about the characteristics and Atmosphere that of Mars, even to the you know the, the past evidence that we have found of water and life on Mars. Well, not life, sorry, the biological processes with silica, but we'll get we'll get to that later. The third objective was to determine what geologic processes have shaped the local terrain and influenced the chemistry. Such processes could include water or wind erosion sedimentation hydrothermal mechanisms volcanism and cratering now this is about again geology but this time how the geolo- geological effects of mars shape its landscape uh one i can think of off the top of my head is we see some very interesting rock formations on mars and you know we're trying to figure out how these rock formations had come to be So by studying these uh, processes, uh, geological or otherwise, in nature that we can study on Mars, we find out the answers to how things on Mars form the way they do. Objective four. Perform ground truth. It does go on to explain what this ground truth is. It's Calibration and validation of surface observations made by Mars orbiter instruments. So, we have a a couple of orbiters going around Mars right now and they're taking uh, images of the Martian surface. Obviously, one of the things that they can do is they can use the rovers to verify these images from from the orbiters. So the orbiter will be passing over the landing sites of these rovers, taking images, and then from these images that are top-down, scientists can then use those top-down images to identify potential things to look at, and the rovers will then be able to go verify these things that they've spotted from the orbiters. So that's what number four is. So ground truth, meaning to verify what they saw from the sky. Objective number five. Search for iron-containing minerals. Identify and quantify relative amounts of specific mineral types that contain water or were formed in water, such as iron-bearing carbonates. So this one is to do with searching for minerals that specifically signify the, um, past, or, you know, the past presence of water. Um, again, silica is going to be a note on this later in the in in our spirit episode objective 6 characterize the mineralogy and textures of rocks and soils to determine the processes that created them uh, to me personally this sounds like some kind of uh, taxonomy of minerals within each rock so uh, one i can think of off the top of my head is in the previous episodes we discussed curiosity and its ascent uh, on Mount Sharp. And we did speak briefly about how, as they were going up the mountain, they were taking different sample points, so they can compare and contrast the mineralogy of these rocks as they uh, ascent up the elevation. So, again, by having an overall look at these multiple sample points, it gives us a, a picture of what's going on there geologically. And lastly, the seventh one, Search for geological clues to the environmental conditions that existed when liquid water was present. Assess whether those environments were conducive to life. So, this one's a little bit more... It's it's a little bit more difficult to explain. So, for this one, when they talk about geological clues to environmental conditions, they're referring to if there is anything within these rocks that dates back to a period that shows that Mars could sustain life. and the way it would do that is as you have sedimentary rock, it's basically a time capsule. And if you can get access to sedimentary rock, the deeper you bore, the further back in time you go. And if you manage to get a side on fragment of sedimentary rock, that gives you access to to bore wherever you would like. And that gives you access to a certain time period. And they would find and identify candidates that where they could do this kind of procedure and then take a sample of the rock and see what conditions were like back then and whether Mars could have supported life in the past. And that's all the mission objectives, Kage. So with that... Kage, would you like to take us talk us about a little bit of the specifications of Spirits and, well, technically also Opportunity, seeing as they share the same hardware?
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. Um, so yeah, both rovers were six-wheeled and solar-powered, which actually proved to be a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, we'll get into that in, actually, uh, probably in the Opportunity episode. Um, They stood 1.5 meters tall or about 4.9 feet high, um, and 2.3 meters or 7.5 feet wide, and were about 1.6 meters or 5.2 feet long, so about the size of a small golf cart. In the main body, the rovers had a box-like chassis called the Warm Electronics Box, which uh, was also uh, called the Web. And this design actually is still in existence today with both the Curiosity and recent Perseverance rovers. Um, of course it's been upgraded and it's uh, much larger in uh, Curiosity and Perseverance, but the concept has survived still to this day with uh, modern rovers. Um, each spacecraft had a total mass of 1,063 kilograms or about uh, 2,330, uh, 2,344 pounds with the rovers weighing in at uh, 185 kilograms or 408 pounds uh, on Earth, whereas they were about 70 kilograms or 154.3 pounds on Mars. Of that weight, 35 kilograms or 77 pounds on Earth, that is, whereas on Mars it would be 13 kilograms or 29 pounds, um, were wheel and suspension systems alone, making up about 19 percent of the overall weight of the rovers. Quite complicated uh, systems just to drive them around, and quite heavy too. Both rovers carried only about 5 kilograms or 11 pounds of instruments, and that's earth weight. On Mars, the instruments only weighed about 2 kilograms or or 4 pounds. So there was quite a lot of instruments, and we'll get to those uh, later in uh, the next episode. But overall, even though there were uh, several instruments, they were quite light. Um, So before we get into the uh, deep dive about the Spirit Rover and its mission and accomplishments, Uh, Let's talk about how they actually got onto the surface of Mars. So we've talked at length about a trans-Mars injection orbit in uh, previous rover uh, episodes, so we won't get into too much details about that. But the long and short is that you have uh, kind of a uh, curved trajectory that follows uh, the orbit of Mars, uh, kind of slingshot from uh, Earth's orbit, uh, catches up with Mars, and then uh, enters the Martian atmosphere. So, uh, Spirit and Opportunity entered the Martian atmosphere on board a typical uh, conical capsule uh, type of design, with an ablative heat shield that would take uh, most of uh, uh, that—that would uh, handle most of slowing down the uh, uh, capsule once it uh, hit the Martian atmosphere. After they entered the atmosphere. A drogue uh, chute deployed to slow to descent, but since the Martian atmosphere is only about 1% as dense as Earth's, this was only the first step. Next, the heat shield was dropped at around 2.4 kilometers or about 8,000 feet above the surface and the rover lander was then uh, lowered via cable once it got close enough to the surface. Uh, this overall took uh, several minutes from uh, entry to uh, that uh, final descent. Um, at that point, retro rockets would fire to slow the descent, and this is actually kind of the first, uh, you could say, like the preliminary concept of the sky crane that was used for both uh, uh, Curiosity and Perseverance uh, later on. At that point, when the uh, retro rockets would fire and slow the descent, the uh, airbags would be deployed about 10 or 12 meters. Uh, above the uh, surface, or about uh, 33 or 40 feet, um, and at that point, both uh, Spirit and Opportunity would use an airbag landing system, which was similar to what was first used with the Sojourner rover and the Pathfinder mission that uh, predated this one, uh, these ones. Uh, this would allow both rovers to hit the surface of Mars at about 100 kilometers uh, an hour, or about uh, 62 miles an hour the rover landers used four sets of six-lobe vectrin airbags to hit the surface and i presume that these were inflated with either co2 or nitrogen although i'm not able to confirm that i actually can't find anything that states what kind of gas they filled the airbags with so if anybody knows uh, feel free to mention in the comments I was going
0: to say, yeah, just if anybody does know what the airbags were filled with, feel free to, you know, just let
1: us know in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you'd like to let us know, here's a hot plug. You can always join us in our Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash totalspace, and then you can just let us know directly in Discord. Haha, how'd you like that plug? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, anyway. So after landing, the rovers would use accelerometers to determine which way was down relative to how they landed. And if they were laying on one of their sides, they would deploy that pedal first. So they were um, basically made like a uh, pyramid-type shape. Uh, so they had um, uh, three sides on the top and then the obviously a bottom. Um, if it landed on one of those sides, it would deploy that. So it would flip over and land onto its bottom. And then once uh, uh, it would... Once it would detect that it was uh, upright in a resting position, they would then start retracting uh, the now deflated airbags and uh, deploy the remaining pedals. Those pedals actually acted kind of like uh, platform landing legs in a way, um, where they would even be overextended to lift the platform up a little bit off the surface uh, to hold that platform perfectly level. Uh, Before the rovers would then drive off of the... Uh, landing uh, pod that it was in, Uh, they would deploy small ramps uh, that were also made out of Vectran uh, that actually the Mars Exploration Rover team nicknamed the Batwings because they, well, kind of look like Batwings. All totaled, this whole process took about three hours, and then they would begin their missions. And actually with that, uh, Rich, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Spirit's mission?
0: Well, actually I was thinking, rather than me telling everybody about Spirit's mission, why don't we take this opportunity to go over and display our first video?
1: Sounds like a plan.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's take a donder over to the the video screen with the Magicka production. One moment. I need one of them bat batman The uh, scenes there just be like dly dly. <laughs> and we're over at the video scene uh which right. video this is going to be the uh the first one that we listed up
1: indomitable spirit impossible odds
0: that's the one okay I'm just getting the video set up now. Okay, and I'm going to start playing the video now. Enjoy the video, folks.
2: After six years of cruising and exploring the Red Planet with its twin, Opportunity, the Spirit rover's days may be numbered. Surpassing its intended lifespan by more than five and a half years, the beloved robot energy source is depleting, and come spring, the rover could become inoperable. Nine months ago, Spirit's wheels broke through a crusty surface layer and became trapped in the loose sand hidden underneath. Efforts to free the rover have barely budged it, and scientists fear they've run out of maneuvers to try. This is worsened by the fact that the solar-powered rover is trapped in Mars' southern hemisphere, where it's currently autumn, and where precious sunlight is declining each day. Additionally, Spirit is tilted in a way that does not offer its onboard panels the best position to collect the necessary solar energy to power its operations, and generate enough heat to survive the planet's frigid winters. Scientists are still working to improve Spirit's angle in the hopes that Rover might be able to collect enough power to continue doing research from its stuck position. Something that lasts almost six years, when it was only supposed to last 90 days, you got to be joyful that that thing has been so tremendously successful. Meanwhile, Spirit's sister Rover, Opportunity, keeps rolling along. Currently, it's making the seven-mile trek from Mars's Victoria Crater to the Endeavour Crater to continue its research. And there we go, that's the end of the first
0: video. So, as we can see there, uh, Spirit certainly uh, lived up to its name and uh, needed to show a lot of Spirit in order for it to complete the mission that it did. Uh, and get as far as it did, but uh, you got to hand it to the people that controlled the mission at NASA. They came up with some pretty ingenious ways around things.
1: Indeed they did. And uh, it's worth noting that that video was from January 19th, 2010, so uh, a little over 11 years now. Um, hence the uh, <laughs> not, not quite great quality on the video, but, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah. It's it, one one thing of a uh, of particular note from that video uh, that they highlighted is that the Spirit rover and of course also the uh, Opportunity rover both only had a rated mission cycle of ninety days, um, and ninety uh, uh, Martian days, which uh, is a bit longer than an Earth day. So uh, that would be what. Uh, how, how long would that be? About 100?
0: Uh, I think it's only a little bit extra because there's only. F- I think it's. Is it not like 40 minutes extra day on Mars per day? So if you have 40 minutes every day, add them all up, get your minutes, and then work it out, you can work out the difference.
1: Yeah, so it's. Uh, I've they call Martian days a soul, um, borrowed from the Latin word for sun, and uh, to quote Wikipedia, a soul is slightly longer than an Earth day. It is approximately 24 hours, 39 minutes, and 35 seconds long. So a Martian year is approximately 668 souls, or equivalent to approximately 687 Earth days, um, or 1.88 Earth years. So the uh, spirit and... Uh, Curiosity rovers, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Spirit and uh, Opportunity rovers were rated for uh, only 90 days of a uh, mission. But Spirit lasted for well into five years. So quite a, quite a long time for it to last. And one of the things that really enabled that were several surprise sandstorms that were not really expected um, to happen and kept cleaning off the solar panels on the back of uh, both Spirit and uh, Opportunity, and enabled them to extend their missions over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. Um, However, uh, Spirit's mission was pretty fraught with some out-of-left-field things that just happened to crop up out of nowhere, so from the get-go, I think... Spirit's mission was was an uphill battle because where they landed the terrain was very rough um, in comparison to opportunities which we'll talk about later uh, so as you said they uh, land actually spirit landed I believe wasn't the Gusev crater. Yeah, so where it landed in the Gusev Crater, um, when they got the, the first shots back in, there was quite a lot of jagged rocks. Small ones, but still quite a lot of jagged rocks. And as they drove away, um, the, the terrain was was pretty unfriendly around there. So the, initially it was quite a, a bit of trial and error to try and find a path forward with Spirit.
1: Yep. And actually... The problems with Spirit started from the very moment uh, that it landed. Uh, we'll talk more about the onboard computer systems uh, in the next episode uh, about Opportunity. But to uh, give a brief rundown about uh, uh, Spirit, uh, the onboard memory actually caused a lot of issues over time. and. That included even the moment of landing where it was unable to communicate with Earth while Opportunity was still on route to Mars. So kind of a, a bit of a terrifying moment. Um, so after a reformat of its flash memory and with that being uh, also the same thing that was applied to Opportunity just in case it might have the same issue. Uh, that issue was resolved and it was able to continue its mission but its problems didn't stop there. Uh, Spirit especially had issues with its memory, sometimes failing to write data to its flash memory and actually even on its uh, 1,800th Martian day, or Sol, uh, as we mentioned earlier. It confirmed it received instructions to move, but it never did. And it also didn't write anything to its memory. It uh, did uh, uh, several scientific uh, small missions and just didn't record anything. And after some investigation, it appeared that damage was uh, beginning to build up uh, in its uh, memory circuits due to cosmic background radiation that was uh, continually bombarding its computer system. So uh, Spirit indeed had uh, quite a rough journey, um, but it still uh, carried on and lasted for uh, five solid years. Fun fact about the Flash memory module, it wasn't just
0: a reformat they did. Uh, so they, they tried several things to begin with. They knew it was a software issue, but they weren't sure what it was. Uh, so what they actually did is they deleted a few of the files that were in the corrupt areas. They, they just deleted a few files and then reformatted it and it, it came online.
1: Yep. So, um, shall we get into uh, some of the uh, mission accomplishments from Spirit?
0: Uh, yeah sure Cargay. Uh so spirit had pretty much like five major accomplishments more or less. so from the uh, let's 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 start from the beginning of the mission and then work its way towards the end. So in 2004 it discovered a surprising variety of bedrock in Columbia Hills which uh, I believe was not far from its landing site, which, by the way, they named the Columbia Memorial Site uh, in uh, honor of, uh, well, in memoriam of the, the Columbia disaster, what happened there. So they actually named Spirits Landing Site the Columbia Memorial Site. And then in Columbia Hills, not far away, they uh, discovered a variety of bedrock Showing a complex geological history for the region. Some of the rocks showed evidence of alteration by water. So, effectively, you would see on the, the surface of the stone, you might see little rivulets within the stone, showing that water once flowed over the stone. In 2005 it captured several movies of dust devils in motion. Now, these were the aforementioned dust devils that Kaga had mentioned, which enabled the rovers to have mission extensions as they were responsible for clearing the dust. Now, whilst they did, yes, deposit dust, at the same time they cleared what was there, and it usually ended up being that there was less dust than there was when it first started in, in encountering these dust devils. And when it captured these dust devils, you know people could really study the effects of wind in the Martian atmosphere because you could see the formation as it was going by.
1: This is also the time when uh, it started making its trek to uh, the apex of uh, Husband Hill, which um, was its first encounter with uh, really rocky and sandy terrain. And um, Uh, It stopped at several points to use the uh, rock abrasion tool. We'll talk about the instruments in the next episode uh, about opportunity. Um, And that's how it was making uh, several of its uh, discoveries. Um, It was also um, from those dust devils uh, that the power began to increase on spirit. Uh, Usually it would only have about like 60% uh, efficiency, or, or rather, um, 60% of uh, what it uh, was expected to be getting on its solar panels to around 93% um, from those dust devils cleaning off the, uh, uh, the back of the rover, and uh, that was one of the many things that helped to significantly extend the lifetime of its mission. Um, finally, near the end of 2005, uh, the rover finally reached the summit of Husband Hill, Uh, a a small flat plane uh, from which uh, Spirit was able to take a 360 degree panorama. Um, It was color corrected to be true color because uh, actually the rovers did not have color cameras on them. Uh, They would use um, uh, black and white cameras with like, uh, for example, color filters or uh, color correction that would be later added. Um, A matter of fact, there is a really good video from Scott Manley. Uh, where he describes the reason why uh, rovers still use black and white cameras and will instead use color wheels or or filters uh, rather than having uh, a color a a color CMOS or other types of sensors and what it really breaks down to is the ability to absorb a full spectrum of light whereas with uh, color filters um, or rather uh, color absorption uh, sensors, you can actually miss some of the uh, true color uh, that you would want to capture and otherwise would actually limit their scientific ability. But anyway, moving on from that.
0: So actually, the point you were referring to on top of Husband Hill, it actually has a name. It's called Larry's Lookout, which is uh, I, th- I thought was interesting. Good old Larry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, moving on to uh, 2006, Uh, it churned up bright Martian soil at a place named Tyrone that contained much sulphur and a trace of water, actually. The material could have been a volcanic deposit formed around ancient gas vents, or it could have been left behind by water that dissolved these minerals underground and then evaporated where they came to the surface. So, transport by medium of water, as it were, to displace the materials from their origin point. Uh, Later on, in 2006, it found evidence of an ancient explosion at a bright low plateau called Home Plate. Uh, Spirit ran images of the area and imaged coarse, bulbous grains overlaying finer material, which fits with a pattern of accumulation of material falling to the ground after a volcanic impact or explosion. So the, the ash dust that you get that settles down after it's very much this kind of formation The rocks some of the which had never been seen before on Mars revealed the crater's violent history
1: Also in uh, 2006 they were going to uh, take a trip to uh, a place uh, called McCall Hill uh, but they ended up cancelling that uh, and that was partially because that's when Uh, the next set of issues started happening with Spirit where um, one of its front wheels stopped working. So they actually were able to make use of this malfunction. Um, It it proved out to be beneficial because uh, that inactive wheel, since it was kind of stuck, helped them to scrape off the upper layer of Martian soil as the rover moved. And that's what uh, exposed that bright silica.
0: And uh, that, that actually brings me neatly to my next uh, and final major accomplishment. In 2007, it unearthed a patch of nearly pure silica, and this was while dragging its right front wheel. What they figured out is by slamming uh, slamming Spirit into reverse, they can basically dig a trench if they slam it into reverse. and And this is how they found... The silica, there are pictures of it available on NASA. It just looks like you've got Martian soil, and then out of nowhere you've got this w- really, really white stuff just appearing where the spirits dug this trench, and it, it's nearly pure silica. That's the main ingredient you get in uh, glass panes, for instance. And uh, the silica patch was nicknamed uh, Gertrude Weiss, um, or Wiese. I think it's vice or visa. It doesn't look like vice, but it, uh, it could could be. Um, it makes sense for it to be vice anyway. Uh, provided strong evidence that ancient Mars was much wetter than it is now, because it was likely produced in an environment of hot uh, hot springs or like steam vents. It's where you normally find these deposits that get blown out from the ground.
1: So all of those major accomplishments actually happened in quite a uh, short amount of time relatively speaking uh, only across uh, the span of about three years from 2004 to 2007 uh, from 2008 on uh, spirit really began to hit a lot of a lot more challenges uh, with uh, within its uh, extended missions where for example um, in 2007, there were a lot of uh, massive dust storms that actually affected both Spirit and Opportunity and uh, eroded their ability to operate uh, efficiently, which uh, was mainly due to lack of power being generated on their solar panels. Uh, Continued dust storms would uh, relatively keep the panels clean, but um, with, uh, uh, for example, uh, Spirit, its solar panel was only able to I uh, put out about uh, 89 watt-hours per Martian day, which a normal amount would be about 700 watt-hours per day. So at that low of uh, energy levels, uh, it, it often had to use its own batteries, and if it would run its batteries dry, it would basically end its mission. So they had to be very careful with it, and it uh, really significantly slowed down its uh, science opportunities. But um, in 2009, actually, there was a... Uh, There were a series of fortuitous events, um, such as the uh, dust storms that ended up happening uh, in uh, early 2009, where um, it cleaned off uh, the solar panels on Spirit. And by April of that year, 2009, it was able to get back to about 372 watt-hours per uh, Martian day, which was sufficient for science activities to resume. That said... Not long after that, in May of 2009, while driving south uh, beside the western edge of that uh, low plateau uh, home plate, that's when Spirit became stuck in soft soil and its wheels were not able to generate traction. And later that year, in November, um, they had another wheel problem where the right rear wheel also stopped working. So Spirit was starting to show its age and was beginning to slow down. That said, um, they were able to continue its uh, mission for a little bit longer in 2010. And this might actually be a good segue point, uh, Rich, to show the second video about uh, Spirit Renewed.
0: No worries, then
3: let's do that. I'll just get the video up now. All right, and enjoy the video, folks. After six years of unprecedented science exploration this month, the Mars Spirit rover is now designated a stationary science platform. Efforts to free itself from a sand trap over the past several months have been unsuccessful. Now the venerable robot's primary task will be to position itself to combat the severe Martian winter. If spirit survives, it will continue conducting significant new science for several months or perhaps years in its new fixed location.
4: Spirit's stationary science priorities right now appear, first will be radio science. Uh, This is geophysical science that's very high priority with the science community, the planetary science community. It involves trying to understand what the composition and the size of the planet's core is, which has a direct correlation to the history of the planet, the change in the climate that occurred on Mars, and why Mars has gone from a warm, wet place that three and a half, four billion years ago resembled Earth to the dry, barren uh, planet that it is today.
3: On the other side of the planet, Spirit's sister rover, Opportunity, continues to move well. Right now it treks from Victoria to Endeavour Crater, exploring as it goes.
4: It has found meteorites on the surface that we've investigated. It's found sand dunes that we've investigated and driven over. And it's only recently found what appears to be a very new crater called Concepcion that may be in geological terms brand new, maybe as, maybe as new as a thousand years old.
3: Spirit and Opportunity began missions intended to last for three months. Spirit landed on Mars January 3, 2004. Opportunity, on January 24th.
0: Yeah, so that was that one.
1: And that video was from uh, January 26th, 2010, which um, was only two months prior to when uh, Spirit was finally uh, classified as reaching the complete end of its mission. And it survived until March twenty second,
0: two thousand ten. Yep, I I just love the images of the dust devils going by. You could see the little dust being kicked up by them as well. It was great.
1: It's really cool, isn't it?
0: And then, uh, you know, genius thinking of you know being able to use those to to clean the dust off the solar panels as well. Being you know being able to extend the mission like that
1: really was, uh, fortuitous. Uh, it was just, uh, maybe, maybe the, uh, uh, war guard, uh, war god of, uh, the planet, uh, by which it gets its namesake decided to, uh, uh, bless the, uh, rovers with, uh, uh, a little, a little bit of, uh, extra time to do their duty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's quite nice thinking about it that way.
1: Yep. All right. So, I. Uh, with that, uh, shall we go ahead and uh, end this first part of the Spirit and Opportunity uh, rover discussion? Yeah,
0: I'd say that about wraps it up for, for Spirit. Uh, as always, thank you for listening and watching in some cases. And uh, I've been Rich B., your co-host for Becoming Multiplanetary.
1: Kage? Yep. Thank you. And I've been Kage, also uh, one of the co-hosts for Becoming Multiplanetary. If you like what you've been hearing or watching, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, as always, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget that you can uh, check out all of our other content at totalspace.net, where you not only have uh, all of the uh, Becoming, uh, Becoming Multiplanetary episodes, um, but also all of the episodes for Deep Dive with Miko and uh the space update with ryan so be sure to uh check us out there too
0: and as always at the end of every episode i like to go through all of our patreons who currently support us and give them a nice shout out because uh their support does mean the world to us really and it does help us bring even better more quality content to you guys uh, guys and gals watching so here we go we have our patreons that support us Adrian Moissa, Anthony Mann, Framrick, Gio Pagliari, Howard Walker, Dishwan and Sebastian, The Angry Astronaut, Marco, Sammy Scuro, also known as Stinger NSW, Suzy R., Warhawk, and What About It. Thank you all for your continued patronage, and we really do appreciate it, and we hope you see the, uh, the fruits of our labor here as well, getting more quality on the, the videos.
1: Thank you. And with that, um, join us next time where we talk about Spirit's sister rover, Opportunity. Until then, see you around.